This podcast is brought to you by Story King Books. Sign up now and get a free copy of my latest ebook, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. The link will be in the show notes. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, a show featuring inspirational conversations about the art and business of storytelling and living life. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's guest is filmmaker Michael Lambert Jr. Michael Lambert Jr. is not only a filmmaker, he's also a good friend of mine, and we're going to be talking about something he's been going through for the last couple years, and that's his life as an amputee. So before we even get into everything, Mike, why don't you first walk us through the accident, the nature of your injuries, and your first moment of waking up in the hospital and what what all that was like? I guess I'll start it from the last one because that's my recollection of the accident is waking up in the hospital um, and knowing, finding out that my arm was broken, my hip was also broken, and my right leg was amputated. So that was the aftermath of the accident. The accident itself, I don't remember at all. I know everything was going fine for me before that, and it was midday, sober, nothing in my system. It's just a freak accident that happened, and I don't remember anything. So the accident was pretty pretty bad. It took like a half hour to cut me out the car crushed by the engine, something like that. This is all secondhand knowledge. I don't remember any of it. So, yeah, but that was it. What was your first thought when you realized your your leg was gone? What, what, did you even realize it when you woke up or no? Or no? I didn't realize it too much because I was in and out, constantly in and out. But there, it's dawned on me because of everyone around me. Because I just woke up in the hospital and it was people from all parts of my life standing around looking at me. And then all, suddenly I'm like what's going on right and um so it caught me off guard but like i knew to how drastic the situation was just because when they said i lost my leg at that moment i remember thinking i'm never gonna walk again so at that point i'm like i'm never gonna walk again so i remember just like just going back to sleep and stuff and in and out and then i kept that mentality in my mind that i was never gonna walk again because it, all the pain I was dealing with and, like, the limited physical restrictions on my body, stuff like I couldn't move or sit up because I was that in bad of a shape, physically swollen and all that stuff. So that the I had to, in the beginning, early on, I knew I, had, I just had to wipe off the idea of me walking again. Do you know what I mean? And then it wasn't in, people would say, yeah, I would do this at some point, but I couldn't process it because at that point, all I could, I I'm just trying to find a way to move my body in a bed. Then when I started moving my body in a bed, then I they, they got me to stand up. Then I could focus on just standing up. Then I once I stood up, then they taught me how to hop. And it wasn't until I got the grasp of hopping on my own that I could start finally processing the notion of walking and getting a prosthetic and stuff. So before, So the way I got through it was mainly breaking it down to small pieces of what I can do right now. And then that's how I processed it all was just what is the next thing I got to do? Because, like, you can't tell me I could walk when I can't even sit up. Do you know? And so, like, even though I knew that would possibly be there, but 
that was my how I processed it. You know, it's funny <laughs> when when you said you woke up and you just people from all different parts of your life. And I remember going to the hospital and there was just one time it was me and my wife and you had some cousins and yeah. stuff with their spouses and literally everybody was just standing around you looking down and saying nothing exactly it was super <laughs> weird to me like i was like what do i do what do i say so even in moments like that you don't know you're overwhelmed and but that was it like i was even at the hospital I was that i had there was like residents so they would come in groups of people and they're all just staring at you and they're learning and it's all good and like later on they all become your people but in the beginning it's just like why are you all staring at me because like you know it's you have you you start feeling super self-conscious right in the moment and then that's all part of it the whole idea of having one leg and all that wow now i know uh talk about a little bit with your arm because that, that's the arm it's your the arm you write with and yeah so i'm right dominated so like um i'm a righty but that's the thing i broke my arm and this is the next phase of the accident i got in so i broke my arm hip and my right leg was amputated in the healing process i got ho um ossification so what happened is like bone overgrowth in both the elbow because my radius and elbow broke off snapped off completely so they repaired that and kind of the arm was pretty much shattered so they repaired it all together and then um same thing with the hip and then so bone overgrowth grew so like it overgrew so like it ended up restricting my both the range of motion in both my arm as well as my hip and that was the thing during the rehabilitation process i was just kept trying to pass my arm a little past 90 and i couldn't and then that was when they, they went back into the x-rays and they saw the bone just overgrew. So it's like one of those things where like they stopped me from being able to bend my arm or turn my wrist, my right arm. And the same thing happened with the hip. There was a really limited range of motion where I can only go for up to a certain degree. And I couldn't twist it as well because the bones just overgrew all around it. And the body stayed trying to heal it up. You know what I mean? So like the good thing is it was trying to heal itself up. Also, it ended up restricting the motion. So then they couldn't go in to clean that up until a year after because that's the thing. When that HO starts to grow, like, you have to wait until it stops growing because it's just going to keep growing, like, rapidly. So, like, you got to let it go. Plus, I went through three surgeries, separate surgeries from the amputation to the hip repair to the arm repair in a series of, like, like a week, you know? So, like, they had to give it a year, and then COVID hit, so they had to push that hip surgery back so but in that time what what it led was the fact that i couldn't sit up straight because of the hip and then like i couldn't go the hip couldn't go to 90 it, had, it was significantly pat, below 90 um degrees so like like if you're sitting up straight and you're like yeah your thighs on a chair i couldn't do that and keep my back up straight so i always had to be in some sort of reclining position or my wheelchair where my leg could kind of hang off so my limb can hang off. So like that was a part of the process. But so and same thing is with my arm right now. They cleaned up the HO so I could bend my arm much further now, but not all the way. But like I could touch my face, but I still have a limited range of motion. And I have the and I don't have the capacity to really turn my wrist because where the HO grew, there's like maybe I would think maybe in the future they might be able to go there and clean it up. But I have like a bunch of hardware there and stuff right now. So it's letting the body and not in my wrist, it's in the elbow. Because oh. ultimately, when you're turning your wrist, it's really happening in the elbow. Okay. 
you know, and I, I didn't know that, but like it's it's in the those two bones on the at the elbow are switching off and pivoting, so I don't have that capacity. So, but at the same time, I have the perspective of a year that was over a year and a half before they cleaned up that arm because of the COVID. COVID kept pushing it back and putting restrictions on the hospitals and stuff like that, and then it didn't seem like immediate surgery. So. Again, like even in that situation, I had, I spent a year and a half without being able to touch my face, touch my head, eat, and I'm right-handed. So my, once I was able to get that range, now I could touch my face, I can eat, I could brush my teeth with it if I want. So I feel pretty good about it now. You know what I mean? So talk about your hip replacement. Um. Yeah, I got the hip replacement. I ended up... So, like I said, after they had to wait a year to try to remove the HO, the bone overgrowth. And at that point, they realized there was so much damage to the hip that it would be much, it would be way better just to just remove the hip and replace it and remove the HO at the same time, but at the same time, giving me a new hip. So, yeah. What year did this accident happen? It's 2019. 2019, 2019 so right before covid like what month are we talking or a year before almost a year before covid um the surgery for the year mark was supposed to be around the next april and that's when that march was everything when covid went down so then everything got shut down by that time i got you and i was in new york where covid the numbers at the whole hospitals were going really high so every hospital was occupied up right so how long were you in the hospital for? About a month, actually. Yeah, I was about a month there um, doing rehab. And then after, after that, I did outpatient rehab. And then from there, I had to keep waiting a while, a long while, because the wound from the amputation wouldn't heal because it took a, a long time because it was like an infection somewhere else in the body just because, plus I think also the bone overgrowth, the HO was festering up and getting the kept the discharge coming from the wound itself. The wound itself took a lot of time to heal. And then by that time, which pushed back me starting the prosthetic limb process, and then prosthetic limb process was the whole insurance companies and all that stuff. So it was a whole process before I actually got to start walking. And it wasn't until like November, or really at the end of October, but it was like November. And then once I started hopping and rehabbing, I was like, oh, I'll, I was going to get right into the prosthetic process really soon just because everybody in rehab said I was doing so good that I, I would really knock it out the park. Mm-hmm. But that wound healing wouldn't allow, I can't move forward until the wound itself healed. And it just didn't for so long. So that kept me sitting around for a long time. Yeah, you had told me that you expected to go to a wedding with the prosthetic. Yeah, by June. Like, that's the thing. I was like, yo, I'll be at that wedding. I'm going to walk in. It's going to be all good. And then, like, You'll leave the dance. Yeah, I have like this impractical notion of everything was going to just work out real good, but then it just didn't. So, but I, I still wheelchaired in there. It was, it was my cousin, my god sister. I had to be there. So it was, it was great to go. You know what I mean? But like, that was the thing. That's when you have your. Like I said in the beginning, I had to break it all down to real simple. But second, you start over hoping and then you, you get hit with realities that are outside of your control. So then you have to kind of temper your expectations early on. But then once you get the groove going, then you can start opening it up. And I got in it like so from that point on to when I actually started walking, like it was a whole just down 
stuck in a room. I couldn't go anywhere just because I, I couldn't go anywhere and sit down properly. And I had to get wheelchaired everywhere. I couldn't go. I would have to have a wheelchair anywhere I go, but like I didn't have anywhere to go to. Like, so it was like kind of sucked that down period before the walking. But the second I started walking, I had hope. And then once I had that hope, I could build from that space of potential. So how long are we talking before you started like walking? Like what's the timeline? April to November. So April, the and uh, the accident happened in April. So it wasn't until that November 2019 where I was actually started walking. And then that even those walks were really simple where it was just, I had to learn how to walk. I had to learn how to stand. Do you know what I mean? So like even the first night when I had the leg back at the prosthetic, from the prosthetic company, like I, which was a step ahead. Like I just stopped, I was stood in a room and just listened to the music and just felt myself standing, kind of understanding like this is my body now and I got a roll with it. And I had that moment like that in the hospital too, where in the first, when they took me down to the rehab floor, I remember like there was a night I just took the sheets off my body and just looked at it. I'm like, okay, this is my body now and this is what I got to work with. Let's get to this hopping. And then once I get to the hopping, I can get to the walk. You know what I mean? Just understanding like this is it. Like, my leg, my my right leg. I looked at it and I just like this is it. I got it. To come, I had to really come to terms with it. And it was a. I remember it was a night where I just took the sheets off. I'm like, all right, this is it. Because when you're in the other places, you could just kind of like flow through and like process it differently. Where like you're not really acknowledging it too much. You just there's always a distraction somehow. But when I, I remember that night, I was alone. But like, all right, this is it. This is the starting point now. You know what I mean? Like I got one leg. Let's do this. Well, well, like I'm an A above knee amputee, so that makes it even more complicated when finding prosthetics and stuff because reassessing life and how you navigate it. So like, plus I had that hip, everything. So like I had a crazy amount of pain where like you can never fathom. Anyone who gone through it knows like it's you can't compare it. You know, you lose a limb, but then you're dealing with all different types of pain. So like, I had to just come to terms with this, like, okay, those nights were really bad because I would wake up in pain and all that stuff, and then I was dealing with things like phantom pain, phantom limb pain, and stuff like that, which is, the to me, was kind of the worst kind of pain because I kind of, as a person, I typically had, like, a decent pain threshold. Like, now my pain threshold is off the roof. But, like, back then, like, I was kind of good with processing pain. Like, I could isolate it mentally and move on somehow, but, like, this one was all types of pain. It was muscle spasms, nerve pain. But like you had ones like where the phantom pain was the worst because you like I had pain in an ankle that wasn't there anymore. Do you know what I mean? And I had an itch for an ankle that wasn't there anymore, like or a foot or a shin that <laughs> an wasn't itch, there. Really? Like I heard of phantom pains, but not yeah, phantom itches. It's, it's, it's essentially <laughs> sensations, but like it's one of those things where you gotta like you gotta figure it out. Like because like, but that was the thing because that's the psychological aspect that really fucked with me. You know what I mean? It was one of those things like, yo, I I know I got I know this these pains and it was all different types of waves of pain. So like. There was like the burning one where you've learned later is like kind of the nerve one, but like there's like this all these waves of pain and like you can't even process it and it's overwhelming. They did the whole mirror thing, right? Yeah, that was the thing when I that I had a great OT um, occupational therapist, um, Joanna. She was I was like breaking it down, so she tried this mirror thing with me and it kind of worked. They put a mirror and they mirrored to mirror the limb, and I remember what I did was like there was music playing, so I was kind of like just catch a groove and just like kind of tap my foot get a little bit into the music and then after i just found myself stretching my left knee like just stretching my leg and 
extending it and stretching it, extending it and stretching it, like, and twisting it. And, like, it's almost like when I was doing it, I felt relief in the right leg. Wow. So, it was, I don't know what it is, but it's maybe, like, it was kind of clenched on, holding on, trying to f- seize onto something or something. But, like, it kind of loosened it up. And then, like, I don't know, I caught a rhythm. And then, like, we did that a couple of times in that. The phantom limb pain like subsided significantly after that. You know what I mean? But like, it wasn't until I, only if I really overexerted myself at certain points that I would it would come back. Do you know what I mean? So like, let's say like when I went to that wedding, it was a really exhausting affair. Like it was like over the top exhausting. But like, so like that week after, I felt it a lot. But then after rest, it stopped. You know what I mean? So, but yeah. Let's move on to a little bit of uh, like the psychological effects that have been happening from the accident, uh, emotions you had to deal with, like you're normally like a pretty positive dude. And like you said, even, even you had to come to a stoic point where you're just like, this is what it is. But how have you been wrestling like emotionally with the loss of the limb? And like, what, what does it do to you psychologically? How long did it take for you to have kind of like a, a more positive outlook and like a full acceptance or do you still not have like a full acceptance right now it's weird it seems like a long period of time because when you're in it every second you're counting like you're in it for every second but like it in the beginning is a completely life-changing i remember when i like in the hospital i didn't view myself as disabled i couldn't accept that mentally i'm like i'm not disabled you know i make this out but then it wasn't like until i got back to my house and i realized i was like oh I'm disabled because everything I I was in a wheelchair. I had I couldn't have I didn't have access to my arm, my right arm. I was suddenly I'm a tall, pretty relatively tall. I'm like six one, six two. So suddenly I'm on wheelchair level. Everything I can't reach. I was suddenly I was clumsy. I was never a clumsy person. So like I was dropping things at every point, and like even after the surgeries, I still that where there's like this learning curve physically. So like I was physically fit, agile type person. You know what I mean? And suddenly. I had to navigate the world completely different, you know what I mean? Just like with the pain levels, managing my pain levels, managing my energy levels. Like right after that, I was really exhausted all the time, like just all the time, you know what I mean? And like I didn't understand how to catch a groove with my energy levels early on. I was just like super tired and super drained. But like my body was healing itself nonstop, but like I didn't process at that time. I'm just like, yo, why am I tired all the time, you know what I mean? It's everything, but it was like a, the key thing was the mental thing. I had to re. I've learned that like everything, like the mental energy is so important because I spent so much time. Like the things that we typically do, we take like we do naturally, physically. You just go reach for that thing. I couldn't do. You know what I mean? I had to figure out new ways, particularly early on when I only had the one arm. But like even now, like I can't turn my wrist. I can't do stuff. I gotta realize how to pivot my shoulder more and do different things with it. So like, I. Early on, you're spending so much your time and energy, mental, in a headspace, figuring shit out, figuring out how to do. So, like, something simple as walking. Like, I literally just view it as I just taught myself how to walk. And, like, there's a plus side to that that I lean on. But, like, that whole idea, like, something we take for granted, like, think about you. You're a kid. You don't remember when you remember you took your first steps. I remember when I'm taking my first steps. That's the <laughs> right. mental thing I process, you know? And so, like... The idea that for every step I take, I, I'm in my head because I have to check the level of the, the floor and all that stuff just because I'm so new at it. Do you know what I mean? And like I can fool at any point. 
And but that's the whole thing where I'm, I had to find it. I had to spend so exert so much energy figuring out how to navigate the world. Period. My association with stuff. So like spacing is so important to me now just because I got to figure out how to space. And like that's one of the slight benefits of doing it during the COVID times because everyone needs social distancing now. Mm-hmm. So it's like I capitalize <laughs> off of it. You got your space. <laughs> I got my space to learn how to walk and do all that stuff and figure out how to catch a groove. But like it took a lot of energy mentally just to realize this is going to be way harder to be independent on a sense of like figuring out how to what i can do what i can't do my limits you know what i mean like it's something like when i have the leg on something drops on the floor it's like oh fuck you know what i mean because that's a low <laughs> level to go all the way down I to just, i just like the defeatedness yeah like, oh, it's fuck, like it i did dropped. this <laughs> so there's i ended up putting a lot of emphasis and energy on not dropping things right but like it's just a swift a change of priorities in a sense like if i'm holding something make sure i can hold on to it you know what i mean and like so it takes a pause ahead of time, but it's all this is mental energy where things where you could just, most people just like, bing, 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 mm-hmm. go, go, go. Oh, I forgot that. Just hop back. I'm like, I forgot that. Oh man, I got to make five steps there, five steps back. It's you know like, what I mean? You're hyper-calculated. Hyper-calculated. And like, it's, 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 it's exhausting, but like it's I, all this prep work is a lot. It's going to, it's going to free me up later. So all the, the my, tra- I feel like training my mind to get used to it. So later on, I could be free. So like, and even when my, I have a personal trainer and a physical, um, my physical therapy team, they kind of like really work. Like I, in past year, I made significant advances. You know what I mean? Like nonstop, just constantly getting better and better where like I'm driving again and um, navigating my whole world, um, living alone and stuff, which has been dope. So but it's all in your head. You end up living so much in your head just to process stuff where like, they're going to, like if you're in a room, you're, you're, I have to calculate everybody else's movement as well. Just because like, okay, if they're paying attention, like if I go to supermarket, I'm like, I can go here, but I could also, I have to like look at their feet. I'm looking at their feet with their directionality. I'm also looking at their eyes, what they're paying attention to. So if I can clear this in four steps by the time they spontaneously turn. Right. So I'm in my head a lot, which is good and bad. So like I, I'm constantly looking for ways to get out of it. But yeah. And for those who don't know, Mike, you're a very fiercely independent person. So the idea of losing a leg, I can imagine for someone like you, who you don't really rely on anybody for anything. And now all of a sudden you're in this position where it's like dropping something is like this exhausting idea. And now you're, 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 you're staying with us for the week. We have three little boys running around and in your head too, you got to be kind of like, like, where is this kid going? He's running. You're like, you're constantly like navigating like everything yeah and that's the thing they say it's twofold right with like let's say me being here with the kids it's it's i I found that i alleviate the pressure where people are more knowledgeable around this so they're aware of my constant my, my potential need for spacing so like the boys they know like to give me a little space at times or they understand it. it's, it's often t- when it's people that don't know mm-hmm. that i'm over calculating it but like even in that sense, it's something that I'm overdoing too. But like that, by like you said, where I want to go back to like the idea of me being highly independent and then suddenly being completely independent. That dichotomy was super valuable, indispensable to completely me. Completely dependent, you mean? Yeah, because when you're in a hospital space, you're completely dependent of these angels, in my opinion. Like the people who work there, they're like 
so you, you, you can't wipe your own ass. You don't understand, like, how, you know what I mean? Like, the humbling nature of that. It's stuff like that where you need help for this stuff. And it made me realize we all need help in some level and stuff like that where it, by independent nature it was good. But it's also realizing that it's okay to get help when you need it and, like, be like, yo, I just need a minute and stuff like that. And, like, that was important phase for me in this whole thing. And it's, like, something I learned, too. It's, like, it was humbling a it's like just to keep like all these people who really helped me and pushed me through and really got me to where I'm at in a sense where like I wouldn't be able to get here without that like my the hospital team my prosthetic team my physical therapy team my personal trainer all these people who are really helping me along and along with family and all that stuff but like those things like they change your perspective significantly in a sense of like someone who's highly physically independent highly I was like a bigger dude so like I like Never felt like any like sort of like physical vulnerability. You know what I mean? Like if anybody would ever step to me, I, I was I was always there. But I had to kind of change my whole perspective. And then the little thing is like that, like let that down to to realize build something else more. And that's what I had to tap into. It was like the deeper form of like energy and stuff. Like of like how to navigate it and whether it's asking for help and realizing the capacity to ask for help is also a sign of strength too. Do you know what I mean? Where, like, if I'm like, I don't got this, being aware that I don't got this in this moment is okay to say that. Do you know what I mean? And, like, you know what? I just need help with this one in any situation. Like, you know what? I can't pick that up. Can you? Can someone pick that up for me? And in any situation, not being fair, afraid to be like, hey, excuse me, can you get that on that shelf for me just because I just can't reach it right now or something like that. That openness of, like, not being... that took a while to get to, really, because, like, I was really embarrassed at first. And, but, like, over time, I've gotten to that point because I realized everybody's kind of, like, for the most part, unless you're a real asshole, you're not, you, you, you know, like, you're, you're willing to help. And that's right. the thing that gave me hope in a sense that like most people are kind of down to help. You know what I mean, time down to look out and take a second out of their day to do something simple as, like, oh, can you help? Like, so that's been one of the dope parts of this whole process is, like, tapping in into that that humbling that like whatever that people always would say I was a humble person but like I've been humbled you know what I mean like you know what I mean in a sense of like I needed help for a lot of things and I, I had to aware so like I, I had to find a back the way back to be finding that independence in a sense so because that's in my nature so suddenly like when I was able to get back to driving that was huge for me because that was always a way for me to get in and out and even so like that was great a huge step in it like so like i'm back on the road and i had that that locational independence where like so where for in room to room i had to figure out how i'm gonna navigate it but like in a car i it's a whole different kind of like getting to somewhere else and moving out and like there's a mental thing where i can leave any situation when i want so it's like that kind of those levels of independence i always needed just to know, like, to give me some control of where I'm at. So, but, like, when you're stuck in your body and you can't move, you know, that gives, that that was a problem in itself. But I found that, like, for the most part, most people are understanding and, like, oh, you need a little break. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, they over want to help. Yeah, in the they're, beginning, they're which, eager to help. Yeah, and it makes and like, people feel good to feel to good help to help. And, well. like, in the beginning, for someone like me, I'm a little resistant to it because, like, I was typically the notion of, like, pity was something I always hated in my life so like that thing I was like I was like that but then I realized I had to redefine it as like not pity as just people just 
looking out. And it's something I would do too. So I couldn't hold, I couldn't like, like not like forbid someone to do something I would want to do as looking out for someone else. Like, yo, you just need help. I'm, I'm here. Let me help out. You know what I mean? And I, I can't stop them from doing that. I, I shouldn't like pre- avoid, like, I don't know the word right now, but like to eliminate that from their capacity to do that for me. You know what I mean? Right. And how was that? Like the family and friend dynamic shift because you you're always somebody that people kind of look up to whether it's for advice or to talk or whatever and now all of a sudden you said you you have a hard time with pity and that you had to kind of reframe it that you know what it's not pity it's 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 if something if somebody close to you the same thing happened you would step up and be like i gotta help him because you know so like how was that like just family looking at, like I said, when, when I went to the hospital, for me, it was like even weird. Like, why are we all just like, like he didn't lose his voice. He knows how to talk and everybody's just staring at you. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I had to, I forgot what I said. I had to say something to break the ice. I, I was just like, Mike, we're just going to stand here looking at you the whole time, you know? And that kind of made people laugh, you know, but it was just like, you were there and you were just like looking at everybody and they were looking down at you. And I'm just like, this is just weird. Like talk to the dude. But, and again, it was real fresh. You were in the hospital, you know? So, and so how was it though? Like you're back home. Like what was like family and friend dynamic at at this point? Was it like, how long did it take you to just kind of start reframing? Like, you know what? I do need help. People are willing to help me. Like, how long did that whole process take? It was weird. I kind of worked it inside out. It was, it came to a point where, for me, it was different, where, like you said, where people come to me. And, like, in in the process of the thing, like, I I process people feeling bad for me a lot. So, I felt that. And I constantly was in a state of making them feel better. You know what I mean? Like, nah, it's all good. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? And, like, that was the thing. That was becoming exhausting in itself where like I needed I had to create a space where I had to push everyone away at some point just so I could feel completely shitty and know how to all the feelings and process all those emotions you know what I mean like I didn't I didn't have the energy to make you feel better about my situation knowing there was nothing you could really say or do to really make me feel better about my situation at a certain point at a certain point it was me I had to do all the inside work myself you know what I mean? And like find that space where like I had because I had to be emotionally sound and spiritually sound to find that space where like I can be independent again. You know what I mean? So like that's what took time. And then I, I had to kind of like isolate up more and realize like, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times I still, and it, I, it's, it sounds a little messed up now, but I realized a lot of people were coming to see me cause to make themselves feel better about my situation. It wasn't about to make me feel better about my situation. Do you know what I mean? And that's a dynamic that I realized. And it, it sounds a little bit assholey, but like it's okay to feel that in the sense of like, you know what? I, I rather just sit in this room right now and watch this Game of Thrones episode <laughs> right. and just process and chill than make you feel better about me being in a bad place. Because hmm. I know I'm in a bad place. I need to be able to sit in that bad place to understand it, to move forward out of that bad place. You know what I mean? To understand all my emotions and feeling it and get used to those emotions so I could find the like, oh, yeah, but this is a good, good like, 
good things that I do still love. You know what I mean? And like for me, it was cinema and stuff like that, where like my career stuff, I'm like gonna move towards anyway. But like that was the thing. Like I remember, like in the hospital, you know, I'm a big music head. Like so, everyone was like, "Oh, so what you listening to?" Little things like that, ways to get in. I'm like, "Yo, I can't even listen to music right now, just because I couldn't allow myself to feel anything." So I wasn't allowing myself to feel because I'm like, I just know there's a whole little ton of emotions under there right now that I can't process just because I'm in a situation that's over over my head. And it wasn't one day until like I was home alone and it was an album I listened to. And I just let I just remember just sitting there and listen, listening to it and allowing myself to feel everything I was feeling. I allowed myself to cry. I let myself to do everything. And that was one thing throughout. I let myself cry a lot. You know, to just let those waves of emotions through. Just let them, don't, don't bottle them up. Let them out. You know what I mean? And that, like, that was huge and healing to me in a sense of, like, stop fighting back these tears and holding back. It was just like, yo, just let them, let that wave of emotion go and then get to the point where, like, what do I do about this shit now? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like a little bit like that. So instead of trying to fight it, spending, expending energy fighting, holding back tears. And then it was one of those things I'm like, yo, this, this is just water. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, just let it go. You know what I mean? It's like, let it go. And like, there's a lot, there was a lot wrapped up in it. You know what I mean? Like, there was like a lot of regret. Like, you know what I mean? I got one leg and all this stuff. And it was like, there was things about even with the accident for me, like me not knowing what happened for someone like me was huge. That con- Losing that continuity of my life in those couple of days and not knowing what happened. And yeah, I know they say it's like the body's like, yo, it's too much trauma. I'm in a car for half an hour getting cut out and stuff like that. Probably doing, and then that's when I realized I'm like, ah, I don't really want to know that. I don't remember that shit. Though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need that. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, things like that where I was, I, I remember at one place I was beating myself up. I think I might have told you this, but like, about not remembering. So every like every momental note, I would try to shoot and try to figure out how to like, how did it happen? How did it happen? And then like, I had met this one aunt who came to visit who has who's suffering of dementia. And there's one thing that she would do. She would like, she'd be like, oh, so sad. So sad. she would articulate it, which was mad funny to me. So I was like, yeah, you articulate it. I'm like, yep, that's the, there's no other way to say it, right? So there's, she would say it was so sad. She's like, you don't, you don't remember what happened to you? Do you remember what happened to you? Like, you, you, she would ask, do you remember what happened to you? And I was like, nah, I don't. And then like the next day she would ask it again. And then the next day she would ask it again. So I, it was just mad funny to me. And it says, and, and it, that, in that moment, I allowed myself to get off the hook. You know what I mean? I was like, you know what? I'm probably not gonna remember it. And it's high. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because like it was it was just a funny thing because she just kept asking it, and then like I was like, yeah, I still don't know it. You know what I mean? And like the day after, it's like, but to, just to hear it from the outside and hear someone else say it, and then you realize like, oh, why are you being so hard on yourself for this one little thing that you, you can't remember and like let it go and like you didn't hurt nobody else, no one else was. You know what I mean? And like for me, it was a lot of the things like something like. That's how I was processing it, but yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like my Jen, you know, she was she was much more attuned to like uh, your emotional state when she was talking to you and everything. That that I'm like trying to work on a card of pasting your face to a RoboCop body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember she came in, she came back from the, from visiting you, and she's like, "Stop with the RoboCop jokes." <laughs> <You know? laughs> But yo, there was one, but that was the thing though, like, that was the thing that kind of helped me throughout the process too. I remember one time you came to the hospital and you had like a one-legged joke and I was like, I feel like, because I was cracking jokes and that was the thing where people, right. it was helpful because like, I remember people were like, oh man, like, yo, you're still you. Do you know what I mean? Like in the sense like, 
one, I wasn't listening to music and shit, but like, it was like, I was still, I was still looking for the quick joke to crack. You know what I mean? And like, right. I was still there, like, still here. So it was like, yo, I'm still good. So you don't got to worry that much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I got one leg, but I, you know what I mean? Like, right. It's a process of like, just to be able to laugh in the moment was super huge for me. And like, to, I know the importance and value of that. So like, that was the thing. I remember the one time you had a one leg. I was cracking. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking in the place. I'm always, I'm always cracking up at it. You know what I mean? There's moments throughout the day where like I'm just sitting down and I just look down. I'm like, yo, I got one leg. This is so fucking crazy. <laughs> but like I use right. it to fuel me up in a sense. It's like, yo, I'm doing everything that everyone else is doing on one leg. Do you know what I mean? It's like, right. it's like, it's people say hand side behind their back. Like I can't turn my wrist. It's similar. It's like you, you find ways to tap into the thing that's, giving you the problem you know what i mean it's like nah but like yo reframing. you find pride yeah you reframe it and you find pride in it you know what i mean we're like when i pull up into like a i remember at first finding handicap parking and i would have to put my leg i was a little bit embarrassed but like now i feel proud of it because like yo i'm doing everything i'm going in there by myself shopping just like everyone else and i just i got this handicap parking a little bit more space and i get to put my leg on and i don't feel so weird about it and like it's one of those things where like I could tap into that more, like not feel embarrassed and like realizing what makes me different also is somewhat what makes me beautiful too. And like cooking that into it and like not leaning into it more and taking pride of it. And like I'm taking control of other aspects of me, but it's like, that's how I've been trying to like process it, find the joy and the beauty of it and seeing the joy, like the differences in everybody else and like tapping into that and realizing, yeah, they're cool too. They're kind of fly too. Like, you know what I mean? And like, Yeah. Yeah, I just remember, I'm like, Mike Mike is not the type of guy that's going to do pity well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm all like, I have to start. I'm like, who does he remind me of now? Robocop. Exactly. And yo, that was the thing. Like, I remember, like, I started having jokes in my head and stuff. Like, yo, I'm like half a robotatron. Like, I created, like, a whole planet that I'm from. In a sense, right. where, like, where it's like half man, half robots and shit. Right. So it's like, it's you find ways to have fun with it. And, like, you know, like... That's the thing I love, like how your your kids vibed with it. You know what I mean? Where like they were really warm to it, and like even like even like how Chris would think is like, "Yo, don't you think Uncle Mike's leg is cool?" Right? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> things like that. Like, does Uncle Mike have a staff? Like things like that. The the magical spaces where right. they do, and like it is it, it alleviated and made me look at it a different perspective. You know what I mean? Where like. I see in their eyes the respect they have for me. Do you know what I mean? And I had to tap into it and realize, yeah, that's the respect I have for myself. I had to like realize like that's how everyone's looking at it. Do you know what I mean? So like that pity thing wasn't necessarily pity. There was a level of there's just immense amount of respect that was there. Do you know what I mean? And like that's mm -hmm. what I had to tap into and look at it more in that from that prism as opposed to the idea of it being like pity or like redefining what pity is itself. You know what I mean? In this situation for me, like, it's like people just wanting to help. People feeling bad of something that they can't do nothing about. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, they literally know they can't do nothing about it. They can't grow that leg back. Do you know what I mean? Then that's like, they there's a sense of helplessness on their part where they feel they can't do anything to actually fix the actual situation. The, the, the situation is I got one leg, I got a bad hip, I can't turn my wrist. If you can't actually do that, you got to... You, you, they, they got figure, they're trying to figure out tapping in creative ways to do it and like we're all human and we don't have the right things to do at the right moment overextending emotion like, you know what I mean so like the Robocop thing would you know me would have been funny right you know what I mean <laughs> but like 
it's all different ways. Everyone has different ways of helping, and they're all valuable and they're all good. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, my wife vetoed it. So. Vetoed it. Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. So. It got vetoed, but it's all good. So talk about that moment where. Because you didn't just drive. <laughs> you decided to drive from New York to Cali. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that's like next level. Like most people with both legs are not going to do that drive. And here you are with... So obviously, did the, did the accident make you nervous to drive? Was it something you're like, you had to psych yourself up to do? It was both. Like I remember like, um, like I, I kind of like already knew it was coming. I'm like, there's going to be a lot of anxiety. I haven't driven in so long i was in an accident i'm allowed I, I realized all that stuff was gonna bubble up right so it was one of those things that i in the moment i had to just accept ahead of time so i was going in the process of getting my this disabled license all that stuff getting the car up and going and all that stuff registered all that stuff and then once like the the modification pedal modif- left leg pedal modification came through i was able to put it into the car but then, like, right away, I was, like, I was going to hold off. But then I was, like, just go get gas right now. You know what I mean? And, like, it was just up the block and around the corner, three blocks. And I was, like, just do it. And I just hopped in and then figured it out. And, like, I saw what was off, what was off, and, like, just figured it out. Like, got the groove of it. And, like, that was the whole thing in the driving process. Instead of, like, holding back and thinking, like, yo, wait for a whole road to clear before I make this right turn. I'm like, I know how to drive. I've been driving for years, for decades. You know what I mean? I know how to like get behind a wheel and make a right turn. I know that car is not going to come here and by this time, make the turn and figure it out now. Mm-hmm. So I just did that and I always did. Like It was like, oh, oh, I got this. And it was like, just I called it just the jump of just realizing, yo, you know how to do this. You've been doing it. So like, there's a, an internal memory plus the whole idea. Like, for over a year and a half, all I had was this one leg, this left leg. So I'm processing everything down there through this one leg. So even though it was like the left and the right from the break, that was the main shift and like that thing. But ultimately, like I figured it out right away. Like you know what I mean? So like, and it was a little like pressing the gas too much things like that but mm-hmm. like i caught the groove of it really good so then and like it was during the covid time so i was looking forward to hitting the road like i love driving i love the open road and stuff so like that in itself was something i was looking forward to someone who was confined to a room for so long i was like i just got hit the road and like drove and it was amazing and like that was the thing like i i spaced it out took some time didn't rush to make sure i got some sleep rest break broke up the days you know what i mean i had like i I had by that time i was building up my body in a way of knowing my energy level in a way like when i tap down when i putting good stuff in nutritional value all that stuff but like i was able to drive across country and see the country doing like in open roads and like good like just all to myself in a kind of dope way which was where everyone was forced to stay home i was in on the road and it was really fun like i all, all highways were kind of just for me i was never met with traffic you, you know that, what i mean you had the space again even space. on the road <laughs> yeah on the space i had all the space so it was fantastic and like and that was the thing and, but in that even in that thrust it was like that was the mentality for me like after the accident i like because i had planned on moving out to cali for work for film work and i was like at that phase i'm like i'm ready to do this now and then, and then this happened because I was like in a really good space. I'm like, yeah, let's go. 
You know what I mean? And then like, after the accident happened, I'm like, this isn't going to stop me. Do you know what I mean? And like, it was one of those things where like I knew, though I had no plausible reason to think like I would get there at that moment, I knew it was in me. I like, that's what I had to get back to because this was my life. Love and passion was filmmaking. So I was like, I'm going to get back to it. And I did it. Like, it was like I got there and like, but that was the thing. I was like, I got to get to Cali, get to Cali. And like, and in that case, it was that moment where I was like, I didn't want to spend another winter in New York just because of my joints. And it was kind of perfect timing because it was like the worst winter ever in New York. And I'm out in Cali, like going on walks and <laughs> building up my body and and eventually going on hikes when there's like feats of snow in New York, where which would have put me inside more when I was in the phase of trying to put my go out more, you know? So it was good where, and again, it was able to go out more because everybody was inside. Do you know what I mean? So like, I, everyone was being safe for me so I could go out into the world in a sense. I just viewed it where like, I could go on a hike, go to a park, go for a walk and practice walking, practice figuring out how to go down a, a slight slope. You know what I mean? And like, now I could go down bigger slopes, but like, things like that, this uneven terrain and navigating that as mm-hmm. opposed to just concrete and pavement, you know what I mean? Sidewalk pavement where like, that was the thing. So that was part of like putting that objective, like kind of right after the hospital. I remember talking to my boys. He was like, "Yo, yo, you like in a year you gotta be out in Cali still." You know what I mean? Because like knowing like people know me, where like if I'm gonna do something, like my mind set on it. So like it took another year, but like COVID happened, and I had to wait more for surgeries. So like all this stuff pushed it back, but it turned out to be beautiful timing in a sense. So like it all worked out, and like it's going good. Yeah, I mean, you definitely inspired us. We moved from New York to Tennessee, and yeah. when we first drove down, we were like, "Wow, it's going to be thirteen hours, fifteen with stops." Yeah, and and then we just we we kept telling us, "Well, Mike drove to California with one leg." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, "We can do this. There's exactly. two of us. We can switch off. Like, we're able yeah. to do this." You know, so you were an inspiration for us to to drive. We we're like, we have no excuse not to drive 15 hours so you talked about going back going to california which was your dream but how long did it take you to get because you so much of your mind was preoccupied with your healing and with just getting through your pain like when how long did it take before you were able to like be in a creative space again like how long did that take it was weird like it was twofold right there was something when i was sitting in that room uh in the room a lot i realized something was different with me creatively i don't know if it was a compensation mentally but like there was something about it because i like cleared the deck on everything in a sense creatively i realized i was like a monster in a way where like I would shoot the shot creatively, and I it would like go. Typically, what I would do was I shoot a shot, create a random creative shot, and then like it would kind of stop at a particular point. I'm like, okay, that's where the storyline would have a problem if I would pursue that idea. And then suddenly, I, after the accident, there was it was a couple months after when after sitting in the room and kind of dealing with all my emotions and flushing through all that. I would shoot a shot, and then I would start going. It would go right. I would see it all the way through really quick, and I'm like, it was like whoa then i realized i'm like oh i'm on a different space now where like what that meant was like, i could create really easily but i realized oh that what that means is i gotta challenge my space r- much more in a sense because that means that like w- my the, the value of my work could go way further like the like 
the quality of my work can go way up now just because I'm able to do it with so much more ease. I have to make it much more harder and more complicated and more. And that's what I've been doing. It's been fantastic. But like that was the thing, recognizing that in the moment that I was different. So but in in but then like it was navigating that creatively was hard because like I was there were certain things that I would do creatively that would always get me going that I couldn't do. Well, I was a big time pacer. Literally, like I would pace a lot. Do you know what I mean? And just get my body going, get a little blood flowing, and just like randomly thought. And like whenever I would get going on a phone call, people would be like, "Oh, you pacing now, aren't you?" But like that was part of it. But suddenly I couldn't pace. So it was like things like that that changed. But it was like early on when I started walking with the prosthetics. Suddenly I was in a space where like I joined those little walks. Once it started going a little further because in the beginning all I could do was go a couple of trees down a couple of trees down and then up the block and then but when I started to going longer with the headphones on and going like I was writing creatively just like I was getting in these creative spaces of writing so like during that time like whenever I was walking that was like a creative time for me so I would go on my walks every day until it was up to two hours a day eight times around the block on crutches, you know what I mean? But then I have to go into one crutch, you know what I mean? Things like that, stuff like that in the process. And like I was getting creative. But then it came to a space, I, I kind of changed my living situation where I was living. And then I, it was the opposite where like I would wake up and I would be in a creative space. And then like I would go for a walk and take a break and I'd come back and be in a creative space. So then it was like from there, I got in a real like, creatively dominant position where I was just bodying it and like riding these waves like crazy and it got like to the idea that I'm at right now that's I'm super excited about it and super proud of and like no it's gonna like you know when you know you got something that's that's it like it's like this is it you know what mm-hmm. I mean where like this is like kind of one of those things where you wait your whole life for to have this kind of idea and a like perspective on and so like it took a while like it, but like that's the thing where I realized by, and it was part of all that internal work, you know what I mean? By unwrangling and going down to the bone, like the bare bones of me, literally to my bone to understand and that like, you still want to be a filmmaker? Then let's do this. You know what I mean? It's one of those things like going so deep emotionally and finding all those spaces where I had by opening up all my doors and all my wounds, literally physical, emotional, everything and reassessing everything in a sense and kind of recommitting to the idea of becoming a filmmaker knowing that it was never there never gone but mm-hmm. like it was like it's, it turns at that point it turns to a recommitment because you could easily not do it you know what I mean because like I used to do camera work and lighting and electric G&E like grip and electric I couldn't do that as just work so like the way I kind of broke up my my I would work and I would write but like now I kind of leaning on the writing and directing now which is always what I want to do is become a director mm-hmm. And now, like, I always knew that ultimately to become a director, you had to make that leap and to be directing. It's like there's not like a, a easy path to it. You just got to do it. And I always knew that. But, like, now I realize, like, I, I this time I use I, to shift it, realizing, like, I'll focus on this uh, really good idea and then build that good idea and make it happen. And, like, now I'm in that place where I'm in the making it happen phase, which I'm excited for. You know what I mean? So it's good. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Yeah. I got two last questions. No. <laughs> We're done, folks. Right. That's it. Two last questions. So, 
people in your situation right now, what is something that you can say to encourage anybody that's going through a sudden shift of ability and there's there's life on the other side, but maybe they're not convinced of that just yet? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it's different for everyone, you know what I mean? But like I would say is do what you got to do to get through. You know what I mean? There's going to be really hard moments where do what you got to do and like it's both I go I go really I work with extremes really well so it's like it's like I love everyone and I hate everyone mm. and I, I work with that in a sense from moment to moment that you gotta do what you gotta do to find a way to dig deeper to find how you're gonna navigate this so it's like see who you can rely on but understand like this it, you gotta find a way to rely on yourself somehow do you know what I mean and like know your limits so you can find the good people to bring around you so you can rely on you know what I mean like that's the thing where it's like it's understand how far you what you really need do you know what I mean I think it's like understand what you really need what you really really need from a conversation from a, a moment where like if you're gonna like if you're less physically able like fuck the bullshit find people who are gonna like build you up if make you feel good like and keep toxic energy away like you know what i mean where people are gonna put your their shit on you like it's find the ways to kind of navigate it in a sense of like reframe the mindset of like it's 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 fucked up but at the same time like there's a beauty in being like you stand out you're gonna stand out a little bit more somehow it's leaning into the standing out, like in a culture where everybody wants to stand out. And I'm typically the person who doesn't want to stand out. Right. But it's like, it's, I had to lean into that, being okay with it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, I stand out a little bit more, but hey, it's pretty cool. You know what I mean? What What is it for? For somebody pushing through it and figuring out how to navigate it. And like, it's all right to have people like, hey, yo, yo, this thing is dope. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, take take that in. So, but like, the inside work is wild hard. You know, I, like, everyone has to do it their own way. Do you know what I mean? Where like, me, like, I know, like, I, 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 I'm lucky I have a creative outlets for a lot of the emotional shit. Cause like, I was able to dig in and dig, dig with the emotional stuff, the spiritual stuff, like, figuring that out. And then like, Tapping into that and realizing that's like the sustainable fuel that you could kind of like, like, you know, like you could push through it mentally. Like, you know what I mean? If you, 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 you dig deeper and like you can get that extra setting of something in, you know what I mean? I always knew that physically, but like in a day where like you're really tired and you got to push through, you dig deeper and you just push through. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was trying to figure out ways to do that and like get through it, but like make it sustainable. You know what I mean? And like kind of look at it like this is it's accepting that this is is and like not acting like it's not it and like realizing like it's your life has changed. It's either make it for the good or for the better. But like it's not you don't have to it doesn't have to be all bad and it doesn't have to be all good, too. But like at the same time, like find I call it like working your own equalizer in a sense of like, ah, this is all right. This is good. I wish I could do this. Can I do this? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Let me see if I can move this one up a little bit more. If I can't do this, let it go. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't do this. But, like, it was, like, yesterday I was with you guys, and, like, I got on a scooter. Like, you're the, one of the kids were on the scooter, and I was, like, yo, let me try that out. I don't motorized know. Motorized scooter. A motorized scooter. I was, like, <laughs> I 
that I can't do a regular scooter, but a motorized scooter. I was like, boom, boom. I'm on it. I'm balancing. I'm doing it. It was something I didn't know I could do. But your I could your do leg it. did fall off. It did fall off while it was, <laughs> but like I'm in front of y'all, and you guys are cool with it. At the end of the day, and what did I do? Put the leg back on and got on, and I yep. did it. And I did a U-turn, and it was all perfect. You know what I mean? So it was like that was a beautiful moment, and it was like not being afraid to do it. It was like it was something in my head. I'm like, yo, can I do that? You know what I mean? It was like, would that be stupid? Like, can I do that? Right. And like, and I was like, yo, let me do it. Let me see. I was like, and I did it. And it's like when you start doing that, it's like. Something as simple as like with my personal trainer, I could do push-ups now and I didn't think I could just because of the way my wrist turned. Mm-hmm. And for a year, I couldn't do a push-up just because of my wrist turn. But like after the surgery, physically, I, there's a lot of stuff I can do. There's stuff I can do. But like, let's say I could do a deadlift now. one leg, You know what I mean? But like, I can't do a regular deadlift the way people bend their knee. Mm-hmm. So I have to do it a, a harder deadlift. But at the end of the day, I could do a deadlift, which is crazy because I got a strong back now, strong core. So, like, a little thing like that where doing all that work together kind of brought it together where, like, now he has me doing crazy stuff that, like, I'm like, yo. And, like, we go in there, we have fun. Like, it's like, yo, throw it at me. Like, let's see. And, like, we push it to the limit. And, then like, and also, like, I have had a comfortable space where, like, you know, I can't do that one. We may need to augment it. Like, everyone, even in my physical therapy team, they all give me time. But, like, it's fun because, like, they know I'm about it, about it. Like, I'm trying to go in there and really improve as much as I can and like I'm comfortable with knowing if there are limits like I can't turn my wrist I know I can't nothing in my mind is going to make my wrist be able to turn override the structural bone stuff you know what I mean but I know I could do some stuff some cheat codes with my shoulder though to turn in a different way to get close to there so like that's how I'm seeing it you know what I mean and I think the beautiful thing is that I think people should take too is that you had all of these thoughts like in the early stages, like, I just have to accept I'm not going to walk again. Yeah. And now you're doing deadlifts. Yeah, exactly. And, that's, so, and I think that's um, that's a key thing. So if you're in that dark place right now where your whole life, and it doesn't even have to be a physical dark place, but maybe just you lost somebody, whatever it is that just shifted your whole life, there's life on the other side that you and you just have to, like, go through the season to get there. I call it breaking it down into pieces, right? That was always a thing where I would shatter something and break it down into small pieces and bring it back together again mentally. Like, okay, this seems overwhelming, but when you, when it's, like, if you break it down into pieces, you can only manage one piece at a time. Right. So it's like, it's, it's about setting up short-term, really short goals. And then it's kind of relishing in that. In the day-to-day, finding fun moments, like, I do little things, like, little challenges to myself of, like, okay, let me see if I could do this in this amount of time or if I could do this and this. You know what I mean? Like, little things like that. It's really making short goals. Like, that was why I was with walking. Every day I would go on a walk, I would just go a little further. It was a couple trees down, a couple more trees down. Just so in my mind, I was, like, I was making improvements every day. Yeah, so it was, like, that was the thing. It was, like, do a little bit more, just a little bit more. That's all you got to do, a little bit more. And like, because you know you did it already and you know your body recovered from it already. So, and like, and being easy on yourself when like you have a bad day, just like, oh, it's just a bad day, get back at it the next day. You know what I mean? It's, I call it breaking down the pieces. It's like, like you break it down and then like you make it obtainable. You No matter how big it is, it may seem, like that's the thing from that, Hospital room, me driving across country doesn't seem obtainable. Right. But like second you break it down, like it's literally milliseconds to minutes, half hours, every five minutes. It's like you've realized there's opportunities. You break it down like every five minutes, like 
this different. You know what I mean? Like you break it down. Like okay, I could do this every half hour. You know what I mean? Like there's a, this time. Understanding time is moving, and you're part of it, and your energy's there. Like you could tap in at any time. So like, there's always these little spots where you could just do something else, try something else, or like go a little further if you want. And being easy on yourself and be like, I, I've did all this too. I've earned the right. Like, it's not, you don't, nobody earned the right to rest, but like, everyone has the right to rest. But like, you process it in a way of like, I put good nutrition in, or I've earned, like, I'm putting good stuff in my body. I'm putting, like, or I'm, I'm well, I got the energy in there. You know what I mean? I got the energy in there, so I know that's covered. The little things that I try to break down, like, the things that are in my control, I control. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> And, like, the things that are not in my control, I realize they're not in my control. But the more I can, the things I do control, I place myself in a better position to capitalize on any, once things get better for me to tap into it, I just tap into it. You know what I mean? So, like, that was, that's, that's been, like, a, the major part of it. Right. Last question. Got it. This is a question I ask every single guest now, and it's a fun question. Got to put your creative hat on. And I think somebody in your position, I'm curious what your answer is. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? One superpower. You're talking to someone who has, like, besides just, like, being able to float and fly and stuff, um... Superpower would be ooh, that's a hard one. It's a revealing one. <laughs> that's why I love yeah, that question. No. <laughs> to answer this truthfully is to answer real. <laughs> oh, you some form of mind control. <laughs> that it would be some form of mind control. Is yeah. that what you said? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. It's that idea of just like stop being so stupid. Let's let's get this shit together. You know what I mean? And like you could just. Yeah, you know what I mean? But that's even my ego thinking like I have the answer, but I just, I, it's, it's also kind of just knowing everyone really doesn't have the answer and like a little bit of that, like, but it'll probably be something like that. If something where, so you're like, something you're a nice guy, mind. but you're also like secretly evil. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> no, just, exactly. But that's the thing. That's why I think <laughs> if we go deeper into it, that's what I think all art is. You know what I mean? We're navigating, we're going into Absolutely. people's minds and spiritual space and allowing them to feel certain things. We create spaces where they can feel whatever they need to feel. You know what I mean? And like oftentimes we're suggestive with it, but no matter how much we suggest what they should feel, they're going to feel how they want to feel. Right. Do you know what I mean? So it's things like that. All That whole thing, I like, I like that idea, that space of like navigating that's the internal world. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like, cause that's where it's a lot of fun. Sure, I could bend something really strong and stuff like that, but I could really do that now. So, like, it's. <laughs> but, you know. That's a good answer. I had two other guests who said they wanted to be able to read minds. Yeah. So, so, you're th- the third person who said something about minds. But yeah. it's, a, it's a great answer. Well, Michael Lambert Jr., people remember that name. You heard it here first on the Story King podcast, his production company. Thank you for watching. Get ready to hear about that when uh, the movie drops. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Appreciate you. Don't forget to check out storykingbooks.com 
Also, you can follow us on Instagram. The username is storyking.podcast. I post weekly short stories, writing tips, and quotes from famous authors. You don't want to miss that. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash podcast. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with this show, please consider becoming a patron. You could choose a monthly membership tier at www.patreon.com forward slash thestoryking. All those links I just mentioned will be in the show notes. One more thing, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the favor of sharing the show with your friends and on social media, subscribing to it, and leaving a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Story King Podcast, a show about the art and business of storytelling and living life. Please join us next time. Until then. Until then.